0: Okay, so the same old stuff that we say every time, really drumming it in. So we're called to live normal lives radically. Our values are as radical today as when we first discovered them. So this series is about rediscovering and reapplying those values, and we've been given permission to deconstruct and reconstruct those expressions. Uh, done that bit. Okay, so when we're talking about secondary illumination, we're talking about things that have been sparked by what we've been talk- talking about, and so. Um, Last time we had Nathan and uh, Avril's conversation and we heard it as if we were on a a fly on the wall. So we're going to be hearing one now with Sally and
1: Tia. So we didn't really feel like we were having challenging conversations at the hub, did we? Yeah. And there must be more opportunities that we were missing. And I was just thinking the thing I really enjoy is talking with mums at the school gate or just getting to know mums and really sharing with them about what I believed in Jesus and what a difference it could make to someone's life. And it's just the thing I really enjoy doing and I wasn't getting to do it at the hub, so I was actually feeling quite frustrated.
2: Yeah, and then we were catching up with John. We had a meeting... And he was saying that didn't seem right, that particularly for you, you know, your gifting wasn't really being exercised, I suppose. Um, so,
1: yeah, he was talking about how we could maybe do something to change that. Mm, I think he even mentioned having a evangelistic crusade mm-hmm. for healing and prayer week. Yeah, and I think for me,
2: it was like... On the one hand, that sounded a bit like something we used to do lots of years ago. But I'd had this word about encounter that people at the hub needed to encounter Jesus. And so there was just something that kind of really sparked when John mentioned that. And it was almost like suddenly we had permission to do something different. Mm. So, yeah, I think that was the,
1: the beginning, really. And I remember quite soon after that meeting, maybe even the same day or next day, I was walking around at Castle Point and just felt like God said, this is your place, you can do what you like. Mm. So really giving us carte blanche to do anything within that week.
2: Yeah, and it, I remember it feeling really scary but really exciting at the same time because we were, I think, we were trying to find a day that would work and we only had a few weeks left till the end of term, And I think it was less than three weeks, and we, well, between then and when we were thinking about doing this um, event, and and it did feel a bit scary, but
1: also it felt like, yeah, let's go for it. Mm. This could be really exciting. And I remember we were trying to fit it around Ramadan. Okay. And so we chose to do it just after and say that this was our celebration week. Yeah, that's right. And we thought maybe that would give people more of a... Okay, so you celebrate it as well as we do. Mm. And actually, I think it worked quite well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then we presented it to the
1: team, who were all really keen.
2: And I think it was at that point when Fatima said to us, it's really important we talk about Jesus and not God. Mm. And I think that was a really crucial
1: thing as well. And we were really excited with how the team really got on board Mm. and committed to helping And it was during those meetings that we planned everything. We thought about doing the photo testimonies, which we still have out at the Hub, where people wrote on chalkboard and said what a difference Jesus had made to them.
2: And the prayer tent,
1: yeah, which was very different,
2: quite a departure from anything that we'd done before. Mm. I think that was the whole thing, really. It was like... um, it was our heart but expressed it in a much more overt way and it was it was that feeling of kind of having permission I think and I think God really honoured us for that and you know we saw people healed and we saw the team being much bolder and I think it felt like that that word that John brought to us it just opened something mm. up for us something quite different Hmm. So do you think it would have
1: happened without John prompting us in that meeting? I felt like that gave us the permission. Yeah. I think without that, we may have thought, of what can we do?" And maybe we'd have done a one-off session, or. Mm. But no, I really feel that it was John's prompting that made us feel, "Yeah, this is right. We should do this." Mm. Yeah. And I think things are still different,
2: aren't they? We haven't. I don't think it's like we've that happened, and then we went back to normal. Because even after we got back in September, because I think one of the things that we were worried about was that there wasn't much follow-up time because it was going to be the summer holidays Mm. and lots of us were going to be away. But even when we came back in September and we, we reminded people of what had happened during that week and we asked people if they wanted to know more, and we had that whole group wanting to do... The Bible study, the Nepalese women wanted to do the Bible Mm. study and then we've had the Alpha course which has come out of that and I think there is just still that sense of boldness
1: Mm.
2: and um, yeah seeing people's lives changed really Okay so
0: that captures a little bit of what we've been talking about when we've been talking about the company of game changers and the role of the apostle to release, to give permission, to give creativity, and then the response to that. And you also see the teamwork, Fatima bringing her suggestion there. That's all part of the, the apostolic. But and I also, I just, just don't miss the fact that people met with Jesus. That was, that's ultimately what we're seeing there, which is so exciting that... A conversation sparks a release that has then had a knock-on effect that people are making commitments to knowing their saviour, their their good father. So when we're talking about the company of game changers, we're talking about connecting into God's releasing power to unlock things, to bring the world to how the world should be. Now, I'm going to give you minute to think of where have you seen the spirit of adventure taking root so this you're, you might have testimonies around um, the the impact of leadership you might have testimonies around the impact of the the apostolic or field versus false. you may even have just general testimonies about a greater boldness or willing to risk so uh, let's start that timer you're gonna have one minute just to think And if need be, talk to the person next to you. Okay, okay. Right, so we've got a couple of stories here that we're gonna kind of kick off with and then we might have a a little bit of time just to hear um, from others. So I want, uh, Anthony, tell us a little bit about how the spirit of adventure has, has taken roots in your situation.
3: Um, Well, as you know, I'm a volunteer with the London Ambulance Service, which is a massive organisation. I'm just one little volunteer, quite new in one small corner of, of London. But last week when we responded, I felt that I have something to say into the leadership of the whole of London Ambulance Service, actually, and particularly the role of volunteers. And I knew that the bosses, the big bosses, were coming to Ilford Ambulance Station this week and um, when we responded last Sunday, I thought, I'm going to go. I'm going to go, and I'm going to see if I can speak with the chief executive and a senior team of London Ambulance Service. And so that's what I responded for. That's what I got prayed for. And so I went on Thursday, and I stood in the crowd, and I got to put my question and make my points, which was excellent. And then afterwards, I was able to get to see them, and I was able to speak into the situation and, and say some things and, and, and just... Big up the role of community and volunteers, and just help them see something that I didn't think they were seeing. And I just say, thank you, God. I might have been the littlest volunteer in the smallest corner of London, and London Ambulance has got its in special measures, but I got to speak to the boss and send a message.
0: All right, now Serena. Um, both me and Anthony decided that it'd be good for Serena to share a story, but I don't think either of us told her. So Anthony's going to. Are you going to
3: prompt her? Or? You me? Yeah. Okay, okay so, you know, so you're in your first job. Uh, you're a, a support worker, um, quite a, an intense environment. You've been building a relationship with your boss, but he can be a bit difficult, can't he, and a bit awkward. How were you feeling about your boss uh, You know, a couple of weeks back?
4: Um, Well, I was feeling quite frustrated and angry um, because I had told him I had, like, commitments at church, so I couldn't do certain evenings. um, And he keeps changing the rotor. and a lot of my colleagues are getting quite angry with him. So, um, yeah, just a lot of frustration and anger because he wasn't really, um, yeah.
3: It wasn't just that he was giving you bad rotors; he was... Uh, struggling to do certain things that you were expected of him—is that right?
4: Yeah, just like um, sticking to one rotor um, and just other things that um, he was quite slow and like flaky with, like giving me a reference to, to be a volunteer at a primary school as well.
3: So you were frustrated, you were angry. This guy's flaky. So you decided to do what?
4: Okay. <laughs> um, Uh, Well, I started looking for other jobs because I really, really was not happy there.
3: But you responded the other Sunday. Um, What were you responding to?
4: Um, John last week had a word. Well, he had three words from God, and one of them was about... um, having like a a difficult boss so i really felt like that was for me and i went up to john um, and he prayed for me and he said that i should ask my boss is there anything i can do to help him in any and is there any way i can serve him
3: so you're really looking forward to that conversation then (laughs) i could tell um but that week, you did uh, have a supervision booked, or did you ask for a supervision? I can't remember now.
4: Yeah, no, I asked for a supervision um, to talk to him um, about everything. But.
3: So you laid it all out, yeah. and you had a chat with him, and then what happened towards the end of the conversation?
4: Well, right at the end, I just like felt my heart sort of change in that moment, because I kind of... I felt like God was showing me how he felt about my boss and just, like, I felt sympathy for him because all my colleagues are against him and, like, he's really struggling at the moment. So at the end, I did ask him, I was like, is there anything I can do to serve you? And it was so hard because, like, I'd been angry for so many months. Um, and he was like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing, yeah. And then he gave me a list of things that I could do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And how's your attitude n- now? Would you say?
4: Um, I say oh, it's it's changed drastically. Like um, I feel like I've been put there for a, a specific reason. A lot of my colleagues are really negative, and there's like lots of gossip around. And I feel like with me helping the manager, even though I'm not getting extra um, <laughs> pay, um, that you know, like I can bring a light to that workplace. Yeah. Thank you.
0: I think it's an excellent example of where someone's heard God's word, even though the feelings haven't changed, and they've obeyed what he said. Remember, the, the whole question of the series is, what pleases him? So Serena made a step on what pleases him, and as she did that, as she sought first the kingdom of God, all things were added to her. Her attitude began to change, and we've seen something could well completely change in that workplace. Okay, so we've got time for a couple of stories. Rich, are you on mic for me? Okay, it, who's got a, a story they want to share? I'm particularly interested in hands that I haven't seen come up. Okay, Chris. Remember, short and sharp, Chris, yeah, or I'll cut sure, you off.
5: sure. <laughs> About a year and a half ago, um, I went for an interview for a job where the agency said to me, as a teacher, that uh, there might be a possibility of management, and I just uh, always put out on that one and sort of said, "No, I can't do that. It's not my God." But I w- when I went to this interview, uh, I found myself just saying yes, and I just thought, "This—I just, I just knew it was God saying to do it." Anyway, this September, I took this role on, and the atmosphere has just changed. There's uh, been two people that are key within my work that have come in that are also Christians. One of whom I spoke to just said um, to me, I don't know why I'm here, and I was just speaking to her and She said, now I know the reason why I'm here, because you're in charge and God's put you here and I'm here to serve you. Um, there was another guy who was on his way out who had just left on the last day of the thing and I just spoke to him and we were talking and I thought for about an hour and a half uh, and about an hour in I just thought, oh, this guy's a Christian turned out and he said to me no, I'm a Hindu but I've always really appreciated Jesus and he said to me I've grown more at the end of the conversation he said I've grown more in this last hour and a half spiritually than I have in the rest of my life and I just thought wow God you're so good if I hadn't have been obedient to what you told me to do none of those things would have happened excellent. and I'm starting to see a transformation in my expectation mm. and as you said this is a spirit of adventure thing yeah. of the way that God's transformed me and transforming the community around me Great. Yeah. good, excellent,
0: so. praise God ok someone else is it, guys you've all got to work together and be faster than Andy, he beats all of you Okay, so we've got a quick one from Andy, then one from Heather.
6: Yeah, very quick. We've uh, had a coffee morning for our street going on for about a year now, but it's got to the stage now that everybody greets me and Laney when we walk up the road. And I was coming back from Goodmay School the other day, and a man actually saw me from his window and came rushing out to say hello. So we're actually making not just a difference in how they relate to us, but because people come to our coffee morning, how they relate to each other. So I honestly think the whole character of the road has changed because we want to demonstrate God's love. And the very last thing, I was talking to a a Muslim, his uh, wife was all sort of, is it, burkered up? You know, where you can just see their eyes. And uh, I was telling them, he said, why are you doing this? I said, because we're Christians and we want to show everybody that you matter. And then he said, Wow, this is something the faithful should be doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, company of game changers, changing the street. Great. Um,
7: yeah, I just, since we started this series, um, I've seen glimmers and ripples of boldness in the youth. Um, a couple of stories coming from a couple of the youth where I can see them beginning to realize that they are where they are for a reason and that they are, they're, they're making moves. Excellent.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're desperate to see the same thing that's been re- released to the church, released to the young people. So if you want to know, ask them about feeding their elephants, okay? <clears throat> Lisa.
8: Um, you might have heard me talk about my adventure with Valence Park and trying to get the play area refurbished. And I'd, I'd kind of put it out there, but I didn't really know where to go and then Avril came to me and said, oh, I could support you through community resources to do this and she's been an amazing support to me. I, I think I just wouldn't have had a clue where to go, but She's come to it, uh, Came to a meeting with me, which I felt really supported him because it was just had to go and meet a man in a you know in the park, and I just would have felt a bit uncomfortable. But going together, it was it was really good and supportive and helpful. And she's really directed me on how to go, and mm-hmm. she's kind of pushing me forward and saying, "Okay, pray about this, and I'll come back and chat to you about it." So. I'm just kind of saying, you know, I feel like a community thing because it was a thing that God told me, but if it had just been me by myself... I wouldn't have had a clue what to do. Excellent. But because I've got Avril and then the rest of you praying and everything, it's really, really yes. helped.
0: Okay, thank you, thank you. We, we may do some more testimonies later if we get a chance. But again, another sign of God releasing through the people that he's put around us to be able to, to be equipped to make the changes. Okay, can I have my panel up today? So our panel, we have Anthony, Sally, Amanda, and Mark. Come grab a stool. Um As you know that we've been keeping a question log trying to capture all of the questions. I think we're up to 115 questions now, some of which we've tried to give a response to, some of which we haven't got round to yet, but that's good. It's good to have more questions than we do answers. Um, So make sure you log on and and have a look at those questions, take what you want. Right, so. The first one we have is for Mark. Is it okay to have savings when others cannot pay their
9: bills? haven't got a clue. (laughs) Um, I had a good think about this, actually. And I suppose I've come to realise that chucking money at something or somebody is not always the right thing to do, believe it or not. I think we have to capture what the Spirit of God is leading us and, and telling us to do. So the Bible talks about us being wise stewards of our money. So I know a lot of people within the community have the benefit of using this wonderful system, which helps. And I find myself talking to a lot of people outside our community that struggle with money and their finances and stuff, and I said, have you ever thought about budgeting? Just as a prompt, I said, what do you mean by that? And you explain the process to them, and they think, oh. But I think it's partly about a mindset. I think if you see a situation where you could help, ask God about it. Because, as I said, it might not be the monetary thing that will be the thing that will release them or break them out of, that, of the, the issues that they find themselves in. So I think it's being led by the Spirit as opposed to being led by what's put in front of you. But for those out there that in our community that may struggle with finances and stuff, all I would suggest is there's people within us and amongst us that can sit with you, go through your finances and help you out of the situation. Because I know for me and T in the past, we had the wonderful John and Dawn help us, and it was a painful experience, that's what I'm going to say. However, it put things in place that got us out of a very dark situation and completely transformed the thing. So did the money coming in increase? No. But the way that we managed our finances completely changed, and we get the benefit of that. So if you see people out there that are struggling, I'd suggest you advise them to, to get help, get people to look at it. I think one of the, it's one of the things in the world that is kept very secretive, isn't it, Money. It's like not talked about. It's just like, I'm not telling you what I earn. This is mine and this is that and that is that. I think being open, <coughs> being transparent with it, allows the spirit of God to get involved and, ch- and change it.
0: Excellent. Okay. Um, Anthony, a question around overlapping lives. Is it okay that I don't expect to talk to anyone if I'm walking somewhere in the street or commuting somewhere on a train?
3: No, it's not. Um, My advice, go up north where you can experience friendly people, you know, with great chat and witty banter on trains and trams alike. Um, However, uh, if we're down south, um, you know, life is exciting when we feel God's nudges, isn't it? And... um, what, let's, let's ask God for more nudges uh, as we go about our daily life. And, and it'd be great just to have an anticipation that God will speak to us more, uh, to in- interact with strangers and not be fearful. We, we know people in London especially are very wary of approaches from strangers. Yeah, okay, so they're wary. But there are also a lot of lonely people. A lot of stressed people. And people don't experience the kindness of strangers very much, do they? Do you think God'd meet us in it? So I think, yeah, let's let's ask God to have more encounters as we travel around. Hear his nudges. And let's we don't even have to wait for his nudge, just go for it. And do you think God will meet you in it? Quite possibly. Excellent. Okay.
0: Um, Similar one, coming to Sally Is it okay not to acknowledge people we know When we're out and about (laughs) On the train, in the supermarket In church
2: I have an awful feeling I might be one of the people that has ignored People, but No, it's not okay Because obviously we're our You know, we're each other's brothers and sisters So you, you shouldn't But I think we just have to think what might be going on in that person's mind because people say to me, I passed you on the street the other day and you completely blanked me and I have no clue because my mind has just been elsewhere. I haven't realized, you know. Um, I once had um, June Bell said to me, I'd walk past the um, harvester up on the high road and she and her family were in there um, in the garden having lunch and not only did they wave at me but they shouted my name and I still ignored them (laughs) but I just think I just hadn't expected to see them and didn't you know I don't know what I must have been lost in another world so I think we we shouldn't take offense shouldn't assume that people are deliberately trying to ignore us because it just might be a bit like me and just you know got your head somewhere else But if we are trying to avoid people that we know and kind of turning the other way when we see someone coming towards us, then that probably is a bit of an issue, and we need to sort that out. Okay. Um,
0: Serving. Amanda, which takes priority, church meetings or serving?
7: (coughs) Uh, So we've always said that we never want to be meeting for meeting's sake. And if I think of that, then my heart sinks. Oh, have got to go to the meeting. However, if I think of that as an opportunity to meet with my family, my church family, to hear what God's doing, to be in his presence, to worship him, to hear testimonies and stories like we have today, then that takes on a whole new kind of uh, take for me, which I really enjoy. Um, it says in Hebrews... Uh, don't neglect meeting together and I think that's for the reason because it is actually good for us as as that corporate thing it's really important that we do that Uh, serving to do that separately and then I'll try and put the two together um, is also one of our core values we we talk about that and we've already touched on that but I think it's really important that we have the right motives when we're serving Uh, particularly if we had a choice, meeting or serve. So I might want to consider, for example, is it my need to be useful that I'm feeding, or is it someone else's need of me that's not very healthy if I'm continually finding that I'm drawn? Is it uh, time critical if something cropped up? Is it a crisis? Then I think most of us would probably respond yes. Yes. Um, I wouldn't want to be leaving my neighbour catching water pouring through their roof while I'm on my meeting, on my way to a meeting to talk about serving. So <laughs> I think we'd have to case by case discuss that. And I sometimes find it helpful to think if I say no to something, or if I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. So what might I be missing? And I think God gives us these tensions. Um, so that we can ask him in the day-to-day stuff, what's right, what are you saying, where should I be, what are you giving me to do?
0: Great. Okay, a few on leadership. Anthony, does the church leadership believe in, A, developing, and B, recognising leaders amongst us rather than any teenager that shows enthusiasm? Um...
3: Okay, so this question's in two parts, uh, the developing and the recognizing. Well, yeah, when it comes to developing leaders, I would say we've probably tried harder on that than most other things. Uh, You know, Dulos is our premier leadership. It is a leadership training program that we've been doing for decades, and we still put a great deal into that. Um, And, you know, if you look at our youth work, developing youth leaders is a continuous thing that we do and I'm actually really pleased that we uh, work with our enthusiastic young people Uh, you know very few youth groups would have the numbers of leaders that we have Uh, many churches would just try and hire in somebody with a qualification to run their youth work but we believe in you know developing our young people and giving people leadership experience so I think we've uh, we continue, and of course our releasing of people overseas, I think we do a heck of a lot to develop leadership. Um, as for recognising leadership that already exists I suspect the question might might relate to people who have leadership responsibilities perhaps in their workplace or elsewhere and, and yeah I suppose we might well um, uh, be ignorant or miss uh, people who have leadership giftings and skills in their different workplaces um, and we could do better on that. Interestingly, this Tuesday just gone, when we were together, I know the house group I was sitting with got onto a conversation about recognising the significant role that different individuals had uh, outside of church serving. Um, so there is more we can, uh, we can do on that. And, of course, the Anointed for Influence course that's coming up, this new resource, that is also designed to recognise and help people who do have leadership Roles in their different spheres.
0: Um, Sally, what's the difference between power and authority? So we've talked a little bit about authority in the session on leadership. So what's the difference between power and authority?
2: Um, Right, I've got an illustration that Grant gave me that I thought was quite good. So if you have a policeman who's directing traffic um, and there's a juggernaut approaching him... Does, he stop the, does the juggernaut stop because the policeman has power or because he's got authority? Well, the policeman can't physically stop him, stop the juggernaut, but because he's been given that position of authority, then the, the lorry has to stop. I thought that was quite helpful. Um, and then if you look at something like ISIS, they roll into Mosul and take over because they've got power but they haven't been given the authority to do that. So I think the authority is, authority is something that's given to you, and it's about us being rightly aligned before God. And I think for us it's really important to recognize that our leaders are appointed by God to serve God and to serve us. And we're in turn serving our leaders as well as God. So, for example, Grant and I are running an Alpha at the moment, and yes, of course, we're serving God and we're serving the people on that course, but we're also serving John, and we, you know, we want to represent him rightly as well as um, at God and, and this community. Um, I think if the focus is taken off serving, then you step outside your remit. So, for example, like David in the Bible, when he sends Uriah to the front line to cover his sin, he's stepped outside the remit that God has given him at that point. So it's a misuse of the authority that he's been given. And another quote, um, which Grant suggested, which thought was helpful, power is the ability to change things, but authority... Is whether or not you have the right to do so. Well, okay.
0: <sighs> have Grant up there as well next time, I
2: He's <laughs> taking okay. the glory at the moment. Yeah,
0: <laughs> basking in it. Okay, so uh, Amanda, should I blindly just follow a, a leader?
7: So I was thinking over what. So if Nathan asks us all. In June, to follow him over the edge of a mountain and jump off a cliff, then no. Um, but blindly kind of suggests that there might be a question or something that you're not sure about or a decision, or possibly a direction. So I'm thinking that's about the fact that we should be communicating with our leaders um, and asking questions, chewing things over. And it's about that dialogue. So you could start with your group leader if there was something you thought, "Why do we do?" I don't don't get that bit. Um, uh, Leaders also come in human form. So uh, with that, there is a high calling there, um, you know, called by God and anointed by Him to do the job. But there's a high expectation of how they are and how they hold themselves to represent. God for us. Um, I think if actions or decisions didn't match up with what we saw as biblical principles in a leader, then we would have every right to challenge that or to ask for more clarity to help us understand rather than blindly follow. And um, just one verse, which is in Corinthians, and it says, together we have the mind of Christ, So, I think it's about that dialogue and communication.
0: Excellent. Okay, over to Anthony. Um, How do I daily submit to my boss when I don't trust her?
3: Uh, Good question. Uh, It's it's difficult. Uh, Trust is something that's built up over time. And, in fact, trust might not be rebuilt. Um, But, you know, what the boss wants is for you to do a good job. And if you take Serena as an example, she can still do a really good job, even though perhaps she doesn't trust her boss to do this thing or that thing, because he's a bit flaky. So I think Serena and any of us can show submission to our bosses by doing a good job. (laughs) Um, uh, But if, if there is a lack of trust, that might also point to a breakdown of relationship, and that's not good that that persists. And so if the lack of trust is due to a breakdown in relationship then we would want to see that resolved by you know pushing forward and, and, and doing the things we believe in to, to restore relationships so yes it is possible to submit even if there's a breakdown in trust.
0: Okay we've got a few questions about men. Um, Mark how do we reach men with the spirit of adventure in the community?
9: I think it actually starts with ourselves I was quite encouraged this morning that people like Anthony fed back and Chris fed back and stuff. I was thinking, hmm, it's good to hear some of the men start to talk about how it's starting to impact them. And I think the more that happens, the more conversations that we can have and spark one another off, I think we'll see a a change in the mentality. I know for me personally, it was just like, I went from a mentality of have no time to, if this is what God's given me to do, then it will happen and it needs to happen. And so it's just a, a slight adjustment in priorities, maybe. Um, I'm not saying it's all the guys that are out there working, but I think a, a mindset is, I'm out working, I'm coming home, I want some me time. Um, and I've changed that to being, okay, what's on your agenda, God? What's what's this adventure going to look like? It may be a small thing, it could be a massive thing, but I think it's having that open heart and, and, and being ready to just spot those little things. And... Uh, yeah, spark the conversations. Ask other people what's go, what's going on for them, how it's how it's going for them, and have the expectation people do the same for you. So, uh, I'm wanting to see there to be a stirring up and activation, I suppose, more in the men. One of the things I'm going to be looking to doing in the new year is running a, a series of of six weeks where we can get to grips with what it is to be a kingdom man for all the men in the church, because that's a, something God's given me to do, I believe.
0: Okay, Sally. Why are there so few activities at the hub aimed at men?
2: Well, I think it's a bit of a myth, actually, because Anthony was there on was it Tuesday, mm-hmm. and there were loads of guys there. You were su- quite surprised, I think, weren't you?
3: Yeah, there were a lot of people, uh, both volunteers and punters.
2: So um, there are some activities that are exclusively aimed at women, like the Peace Together course, which is a, a women's course. But I was thinking most of our activities are available for men to come and be involved with. And it's true we have more women than men, and I think that is the nature of women being around during the day, more than men. Um, and we, are, um, we have more women on the team than men, but increasingly we've got men who are volunteering, coming and getting alongside And there is always the opportunity for men to come and start doing something at the hub. So it's not like, you know, um, oh no, I couldn't do that because that's a women's thing. It really isn't. We're intending and wanting and um, hoping to reach whole families. And men are part of those whole families. So I think that um, there's every opportunity um, for more to be added to what we already do.
0: Excellent. Okay. Anthony, is it okay that most community projects are spearheaded by women?
3: Um, Grant, have you got a quote for me on that? <laughs> hey, look, let's not major on the, on the minors here. I am thrilled that we've got loads of great community activities happening, spearheaded by people who've got faith and passion. That's the thing. Faith-filled endeavour is happening and that's what we should recognise. Um, and we actually want to see faith-filled people rising up and doing stuff wherever their sphere, whatever they're called to do. Um, okay, at the moment, perhaps more of the spearheading in community projects type things might be women. But that's just one thing that we do. We, as a, if you imagine all the different places that we touch, all the different endeavours we're involved with, those activities is just one part and, and many men will be involved in other activities so I'm, I don't get too, too hung up about that and as I say as Sally said when I was there at the hub actually there were quite a lot of men there involved in things oh, oh Grant has a quote for me <laughs> Grant, Grant said behind every great woman is a great man nice
0: Okay. um, Outreach. Uh, Amanda, if we already do church planting, why are we not seeing an increase in evangelism?
7: Okay. So, this is my understanding of church planting. In the classic model, where a small group of people would move from an existing church, set off to a location to start a brand new baby church, sort of released by the leadership there, um, Is not a model that we're currently pursuing. We have done. I myself was part of a church plant embarking in the late 80s, 90s, and Dave and I, try as we might, tried to live there but couldn't get a flat on the Gascoigne estate. But the Tizards and Tina Alexander and John Wenny Patterson did live there. So I've done a bit of that. But what if we were to look at a different model of church reproducing? Because I think that's what church planting is about. It's about reproduction. Um, So just to use a quick example, one of the um, regular customers at the Corner Coffee House uh, says to his wife, why don't you get down the church, have yourself a cup of coffee and a piece of cake? But we have never called it a church. And we've never said that's what it is, but there's something that he's picked up of what happens there and the conversations that take place with him. So that, to me, is quite exciting. So maybe church is looking different. Um, We've never been numbers-focused. Let's have 500 by next March, else we would have to give Ken Jarvis a chalkboard to count us all in every Sunday or something. Um, But God's kingdom is about increase and multiplication, and I think growth is a sign of life. So we're looking for that and seeing that. Thinking about evangelism, uh, I think it depends what we're looking for, because I'm seeing it in people and the conversations that I have with people on a daily or weekly basis. We are talking, there is a passion to be sharing our faith with people, We've heard this morning. So I think we just need to stir up conversations to see that that's going on. It may be a crusade-type week and evening that we we're all invited to join in with that Sally and Tia were talking about. It could be Andy and Leonie sticking their notice in their window and their neighbours flocking in for their weekly, you know, connection their friendship. It might be Kim in... Uh, her workplace chatting regularly having conversations with people but they're not going to come here on a sunday but it's still outreach it's still evangelism and i think um as mark was saying the key thing is that that starts with me and it starts with that desire and that compassion for others and asking god to to fan that and um i think part of this this series is talking about not wanting things to stagnate and grow cold and do things as we've always done. And we want to you know, ask God to, to make that fresh for us. Um, so we can, we can ask him for that. Um, Sally's
0: just got an extra point on the back of outreach and men.
2: So when I said there's lots of opportunities for men to get involved, I perhaps need to rephrase it. We really need more men to be involved. Um, So particularly at the moment, we've got a group of, I think it's about eight Iranian men who have started coming to the hub. These are guys that have left Iran because they've become Christians. It's really exciting. Apparently there's about 15 of them in the local community, and they're coming to learn English with us. But we don't want them just to come and learn English. We want them to come and be involved. We want them to be encouraged in their faith and... It's an excellent opportunity for any guys who are around during the day just to come and join in.
3: They fled persecution, is yeah. that right? Okay, yeah. so they'll have a the backstory there that's yeah. really quite interesting.
2: Yeah, and I don't know how much they'll want to talk about that, but they will definitely want you know, to be involved and they, wanna, they really want to improve their English. So, for guys who are around during the day, as I said earlier, it's a myth that it's only for women. There's, there's a huge opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't let the opportunity go past. Iranian men, hallelujah! Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Come on, people!
9: Yeah. John's still looking There's a little puzzled.
3: Some
0: puzzle. blank Look, You've got to sing it, Iranian men, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Um, Mark, <laughs> does the Bible say we should break bread whenever we meet? If it does, why don't we obey this command?
9: Breaking bread, uh, the Lord's Supper. Typically a very traditional churchy thing. I remember as a kid, whenever I used to see at the front of the, I went to a Methodist church, whenever I used to see the, the big drapes, I thought, oh, extra long service today. <laughs> I, think, I think we need to look at it in the, in the context of the time. Um, it was a Passover meal so it was something that they were doing they did every year the disciples would have met with Jesus um, most times and he just took that opportunity to sort of say when you come together when you're gathered together what did he do? he broke the bread and he gave thanks so he thanked his father he broke the bread, shared it um, and said do this in remembrance of me so it's not that every time we come together we, we have to do that um, it's not a religious ceremony. I think it was a way of just prompting us, actually, that when we do come together sometimes, so we sometimes do it in our, in our groups, in our, in our development group at that time. So when you come together, when you're sharing of the same meal and stuff, yeah, give thanks to your Father in heaven for what he's done for you. And uh, and that's the context that it was put in. So. I don't think, I think, I don't know, when I look back on it now, all that religious stuff that they do around it, I'm not sure sure that Jesus would have wanted that to be the case. He was much more saying, when you come together, when we're sharing life together, when we're sharing a meal together, um, yeah, remember me.
0: Okay, final one over to Anthony. Is it okay for us to have so few relationships with
3: other churches and networks in the UK? Well, um, I think the first thing to say is that we want and expect to have a good heart towards other churches and other other leaders, and that means that we you know, we desire relationship and we're interested in proper relationships with other churches. So we're not the kind of gang that's going to just sign up to a club adopt a label in order to be recognized as part of this group or part of that group. We don't really go in for that. That's not relationship. Um, so I think uh, as long as we keep that open heart and keep that desire to build relationships, uh, things will, will come. Um, you might not know, but you know Daniel and Avril and John, they do actually meet other church leaders locally and uh, and not so local as well. So there is more going on than perhaps we realise but I think the important thing is that it, it is relationship we desire rather than trying to belong to a club
0: Excellent, thank you panel very much mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we've got time for for a few stories that we haven't got to yet so John if you'd like to come um, Okay, so these, these three stories were left over from um, the leadership and uh, then we've got a few that are left over from the um, company of Game Changers. So is there anyone who would like to ask one of these, like to hear one of these stories? Like Dave? Father of the restoration movement me toast. Okay, Father of the Restoration Movement, Serve Me Toast.
10: Yeah. Um, really, Arthur Wallace was uh, seen in those days of the, the, the whole beginning of Restoration as uh, the father figure, the senior figure amongst them. Uh, and uh, just the humility of that man. Um, when I stayed at his house once, it, he's I mean, he's kind of really uh, seen significantly both uh, amongst restoration and really in, across the country. But his willingness to make breakfast or do whatever, you know, looking looking after. I was very, very impressed with the heart to serve. I was also impressed that when I was driving along one day with him and Bryn and somebody else in the car and their bags in the back, I had this estate car when we went over a bump, the back door used to, the hatch used to come open. We never did get it fixed. Uh, and that happened one day and his, his bag fell out on the road. And we just stopped and picked it up, but it didn't seem to bother him at all. You know, it just sort of, you know, there was no sense of air and grace about him. And I thought that's, that's really the, 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 the characteristic of Christ, that humility.
0: Okay. Um, here's some stories from the. Oh, you want to do one for the last one? Okay. Defend against the hostile takeover.
10: Yeah. um some years ago we were working with uh, uh, an, another um, group and leader and a couple of the leaders were with us at that time said uh, you know this guy he they're trying to take over and i said well i hadn't really looked at that i thought about that but it doesn't bother me it's 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 irrelevant we don't need to take a defensive position because if God has called us to lead this thing, then that's established by God. I don't think we have to, in the kingdom of God, defend our position uh, or our calling or our role and therefore the defence was, let's not even think about defending because uh, that's not something that we need to worry ahead about.
0: Okay, Um, let's have a couple from the uh, company of game changers storyboard anyone want to ask one from heather but then make my drapes smell <laughs> yeah
10: um we want to always be open to reach out uh, to all peoples and uh this funny thing i, I think they were a slightly strange uh, couple that were with us and they said no we don't want to do that because some of these people smoke, and when they come in, they would make our curtains smell of smoke. And uh, somehow that just doesn't fit with God's heart uh, to love the whole world and uh, not to choose particular types and particular people, but to be open to what God wants. So, yeah, they didn't really fit well.
0: They stay around for long. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. That just rolls off the lips, doesn't it? Positively propelled by painful church parting.
10: I'm glad I'm not going to say that again. (laughs) Yeah, um, 20-odd years ago, I can't think when it was now, uh, two of the leaders um, decided to go and uh, take uh, people with them. That was a very painful time, people that we'd walked with for many years. And I felt God really helped us at that time uh, because sometimes when these things happen it's not just, oh, we're going to do something different but there gets all sorts of stuff which is not nice generated in these things. Sometimes people have to invent things to kind of justify what they're doing and so on and so forth. But we we felt that um, we should, under God, handle things in a particular way and uh, that we should not allow any any sort of taking offence and in fact that we would uh, ask those leaders to come so that we could send them out uh, or release them properly uh, before God and uh, that we would not uh, receive any offence and if there was that we would forgive right across the board and you know what is an amazing thing a chunk of people went but when we look back we said you know what we have not looked back I mean this this was an amazing thing and when we do think about it we could never have never gone in the direction that we've gone because the vision that others had was for something quite different to impact in the community and engaging in reaching uh, wherever God sends us so there was a very positive element in that uh, even though it was painful at the time.
0: Okay, one more question. Or one more uh, story. Elspeth. Keith's money laxative. Okay, Keith's money laxative. You did mention this one when you got back from America. Money
10: laxative, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, I think what you're saying... <laughs> He changes the wording, you know. (laughs) Uh, I think when we arrived, they were excited to see us. This was recently, uh, a few weeks ago, and we just thought they were pleased to see us. And they were obviously bubbling over something. And they said, Five minutes before you arrived, we received notification that a large sum of money had been released to us. Remember, this is somebody who had lost everything and given up everything uh, for the sake of the kingdom. And his, his feeling was, I believe this is associated with you coming. It, there's a release and breakthrough. So we thank God for that. All right, so we're at the end of our, our time this morning. And uh, we are dealing with some, in a very practical way, some very real outworkings of the fact that we're not following a traditional course that what God has given us, we obviously wouldn't be following if we didn't believe that it was highly accurate in line with the Word of God. But you see, the big issue is, is one thing to know things are different, is totally another thing to be committed to do. God requires a people that are hearers and doers of the Word. And when Godfrey was asking me various questions... One of the things that struck me again was God placed in our hearts a commitment to do what we believed. And probably more than anything else, that has marked out our course. Our course being very different uh, to what many of us were involved in traditionally, previously. uh, And some of you have grown up in it and you know nothing different. But we are significantly different simply because... God has graced us and enabled us, and let me say that again, God has graced us and God has enabled us to be those who, having decided that they wanted the integrity of doing what they believed, to be empowered by him to actually do what he says, not just teach it, preach it, or talk about it. And I think that's the significant difference. And I think this morning I'd like to just uh, just conclude on that note Um, with that opportunity always to be saying, Lord, uh, is there anything that you're saying that kind of I'm yet to do? And I think if we're all honest, we'd probably say, yeah, I bet there's got to be. Let's take it a little bit further. Lord, today, today, will you for me highlight something that you're saying that you would empower me grace me to do maybe it's in a degree maybe it's more than what you're doing at the moment but so that we take it and and live in the reality of what's being said and continue uh, in the way that god has uh, directed us over these number of years so let's just take a moment we can just ask god let's just pray and ask god and then we're And if you want someone to stand with you in prayer, you have the opportunity to come and the team will be here. So, Lord, we thank you for all these things that you're helping us to uh, basically understand to live in this radical way. Radical, Lord, as being close to the root. Lord, because of our commitment to be doers as well as hearers, Because we're committed to this spirit of adventure.
3: And Lord, we just don't want to just
10: talk about it. We want to have the fun and excitement of doing it. So we just open our hearts to you right now, Lord Jesus, and say, Lord, will you just grant just that little thing into our hearts of anything that you've said or are saying? that we're yet to do or yet to do more so that we could be people who are activated and engaged in being followers of you not in theory but in practice step by step action by action our decrease your increase Or will you do that? will you now just by the power of your Holy Spirit just kind of move amongst us and, and just drop into our hearts Lord, for everyone that's open to you right now, just drop into our hearts something which we believe and yet there's further scope for doing, that we might be doers rather than hearers of the word. For your namesake and for your glory. Amen. God, that was all right, wasn't it? That was all right. It's okay to ask God that, isn't it? Do you want the sting in the tail? Yeah, come on. Let's go for it. sting in the tail is, when you hear God and you receive his grace to do it, you come and say, God spoke to me and I did it. Why? Because it glorifies him. Because it, it causes others to say, me too, Lord. Because it's one of the ways in which faith is generated. Because it's good of leaving your heart and confess with your mouth, yeah? Anybody up for saying, yes, John, we'll do that? Oh, that's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next week, we may have to give the whole week over to hearing what God said to you this week and what you've done as a result. Wouldn't that be fun? Who would you most like to hear from with a testimony like that? God spoke to me about hearing and doing, and therefore I asked him and did this. Who would you like to hear from? Young people? Let's name them. Let's name them. (laughs) Actually, let's take it a bit further, and let's go and say, Neil Jakes, I need to hear from you next week. Do it. It's intimidating, it's frightening, it's embarrassing. Yeah, we're good at that.